This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Sorta Awesome. I'm your host, Meg Teets, and I am so happy to be joined today by my longtime co-host and longtime dear friend, Kelly Gordon. Hello, Kelly. How are you today? I'm good. I'm so good to be here with you. Man, I miss you. You guys, you listen and you're like, I'm just the third friend. And we really do feel like that. But it is also a meeting of friends when we're like, I haven't seen you in so long and here's your face and oh my word. I know. Okay. It's so funny that you said that because we're going to be talking about talking today. Yes. Kelly and I, we are, we are women of words. We didn't even hit record on this episode for like 10 minutes because we were just chit-chatting and catching up. But truly, Kelly and I both talk a lot. We both have had jobs where we talk a lot. And we think about words and conversations, I think, Kelly. I think maybe as ENFPs, we are like particularly sensitive to you know, the sort of like group conversation dynamic. Does that ring true for you? Or is that my own like weirdness that I think about that a lot? (laughs) No, that's true. I don't know if I would say it that way, but it is the same thing. Like just being very aware of how things are said and what could be said better. Maybe almost too aware sometimes, you know, where I'm overthinking. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, could that have been said better? And it's not that I'm not going to (laughs) talk for like fear of, oh no, what if I say the wrong thing? I'm certainly happy to wade in, but there are people around me who don't think about it as much. And sometimes you're like, ooh, you could have massaged that better. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Like, what was your point? If your point is this, which I think, you know, like usually best of intentions, but I think being somebody who's maybe a little hyper aware of how things are perceived and how you want to communicate, I feel like that's what it is for me. It's like, I want to clearly communicate and Sometimes you just have to think about how your words are coming out, how they're being perceived by other people, what you're yes. really trying to say. It's all important. This is like yes. back in college. I was taking, you know, all these communications classes. Communications it classes. It matters. Yes, it does matter. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Say this, not that. It's just been on our minds some phrases that you hear that, you know, maybe I'm looking through this list and I'm like, oh gosh, I can remember... I know for sure I've said this or that to somebody and I still feel cringy about it. That's okay. Look, we're all human. We're all doing the best we can to be humans on this planet together at the same time. Mm -hmm. But if there's some ways we can make our conversations a little bit more awesome by thinking about, like you said, how things are perceived and some alternative ways that we can still engage in a conversation, because I do think that's at the heart of so many of these questions. I mean, so many of these phrases that we're going to be talking Mm -hmm. about today, Kelly, Mm -hmm. is People just want to connect. Like you said, there's a positive intention behind it. We want to connect with each other. So we're just like, how can we 
you know, like you said, kind of like repackage some of these ideas and talk about them in ways that are a little bit more helpful and will bring about better connection and communication ultimately. Exactly. So we have a lot of words about words and that we're going to talk all about that today on Sorta Awesome. Welcome back, awesomes, to the show that loves to support you in becoming smart, strong, and social. If you have been looking for amazing women to connect with and a community that will support you no matter what age or stage of life you're in, I'm so thrilled to tell you that you've come to the right place because Sorta Awesome is not just a podcast, it's also your community on the go. And you know, we would love to connect with you Outside of your podcast app, come and find us in one of our communities on social media. You can find us on Facebook in the Sorta Awesome Hangout or on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. We'll have links in the show notes for that. Just a quick reminder, if you haven't already, we would love for you to sign up for the So Awesome Sunday newsletter. This is the every other week newsletter that I write just for our awesomes. I kind of want So Awesome Sunday to help us battle against the Sunday scaries, maybe make Monday great again. (laughs) That's awesome. Which is one of my life missions. Yes, mama, make Monday great again. I put in like recaps of sort of awesome stuff you might have missed because we always have things going on. You might have missed some of it. I am loving Kelly putting into the So Awesome Sunday newsletter, like highlights from our Facebook community. Yes. Because... As you know, that group moves so fast. There's so much good stuff all the time. I'm like, here, let me be your guide. Let me help you if you've got to hit this thread. I was going to say that, that when I read that newsletter and you put those little links in, I'm in the hangout every day, Meg. And there's always one thing in your newsletter that I'm like, wait, what? There was a thread about what? I totally (laughs) missed that. And it's usually not because it's like a small thread. It's usually big threads. That's why you're highlighting it. You're saying lots of people responded, had lots of ideas, had lots of input. And I still missed it, you guys. It does move fast. And there's so much wisdom and fun stuff and things that are deep questions. So Mm -hmm. it's easy to miss stuff, even if you're in there. So you got to have the newsletter to have that recap. Yes, exactly. So we're recapping the awesome stuff from within the Sorta Awesome universe. But I also like to link out to things that are great that are happening outside of our little corner of the internet. So I've been having so much fun with this. It's such a joy to create this for you. And again, it's just every other week. It's not a huge time commitment. So I'll put a link in the show notes for you guys to go get signed up for that. We'd love to have you increase your experience of sort of awesome with the newsletters. So like I said, Kelly and I have a lot of words about words and conversations today. I cannot wait to get to that. First, though, let's go ahead and start this show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. If you're new to Sorta Awesome, Awesome of the Week is the moment in the show where we just stop and talk about whatever is making life a little more awesome right now, whether it's a book or a TV show, a movie, a podcast, a product, a recipe, an app, whatever is bringing the gold sparkle to your days. Kelly, what do you have for us this week, my friend? I don't know what's happened to me, Meg. I feel like I have become the anti-Kelly or... Your alternate universe, Kelly. It is. It's like an alternate universe. Bizarro world, Kelly. Something happened in the <laughs> pandemic and it's like switched me because you guys, my awesome of the week is another TV show. 
whoa, I have a TV show too. What's happening to us? What? (laughs) What is happening? And if you're new to Sort of Awesome, you need to know that until the last probably six months, I maybe brought one TV show to my Awesome of the Week. Not because I don't like TV, but because there was a lot of popular TV that wasn't my thing. And then there were other things that I did like that everybody already talked about, like Ted Lasso. And I also have this big reputation of being like at least a decade behind. Like Mm -hmm. I just finished Modern Family last year, you know, things like that. So there was a whole lot of TV that I missed that I was still catching up on. But I don't know what's happened. The algorithms have figured me out. And so then they pitch me the things and I'm like, wait, what? So what I'm bringing you is a show that actually hasn't come out yet, but I'm giddy with anticipation. It comes out next week from when this show will air. It's May 24th. Okay. On Disney Plus. I saw this on Twitter two weeks ago and my mind was blown. So we have to play a little bit of the trailer here because this is called, let me tell you the name, American Born Chinese. Okay. Okay. So as the name sounds, the trailer starts with like a Chinese American boy and his mom. He is an American teenager, but he like feels the weight of being different being Chinese, and he's just trying to fit in. So let's listen. Is there a Jim Wang here? Wang. This is Wayne Chang. Wei Chen. He's a new student and he's Chinese, like you. He's going to tag along to all of your classes. I found seats for us. Come on. Except in math. He's way ahead of you in math. So from the sound of that, you're getting the idea that this is one of those kind of, I don't want to say fish out of water, but It's a coming of age, trying to grapple with culture, with other people, seeing you as Chinese, but yet you don't know if you feel completely Chinese, you feel American. And then it gets interesting. Everything switches. So this is where I can't play the trailer because it's visual, you know, like we can't play it for the podcast, but you have that set up. And it turns out that his friend from China is actually not a human. He is what? the son of a mythological god. <laughs> I was yes. not expecting that. I was so prepared. We're starting with this normal teenage, you know, sort of situation. Yeah. And actually, yes. it's like a Marvel Universe TV show. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. So if you liked Ms. Marvel, which I know we both did, yes. it feels a little bit like that in the sense that this is going to be a eight series show. All episodes will be released on May 24th on Disney+. Plus. And this is going to be the story of these two young men, one who is, of course, just a regular high school student who's getting pulled into this mythological battle that the gates between heaven and hell are being ripped open. Evil is coming into our world. We need to start to fight it. And you guys, the cast, Michelle Yeoh is Okay, I'm in. Right? (laughs) Ki Young Kui is in. These are big names. Daniel Wu. It's got Kung Fu. It's got comedy. Huge names in the Asian you know, universe of who who is actors and who's producing yeah. this. Apparently, it is based on a graphic novel that came out several okay. years ago. So some yes. of your kids, like if your kids like graphic novels and superheroes, Marvel, they may even know about it. But it just looks so good. And I, mean, I never watched Shang-Chi that came out mm-hmm. last summer that was the Marvel Universe movie. Now I'm gonna have to go watch that because I feel like there might be some overlay of like that movie, Ooh. what was happening okay. there, kind of the special yeah. effects and the universe of like the evil that's coming into the world and the good guys that are fighting it. So literally I was watching the trailer and it was that part that I played. And I was like, yeah, that looks great. That looks cute. Like my kids would love that. And then it got 
whoa, you know, like with yes. the glowing swords and things dropping from ceilings and him going, wow. what's happening? And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm actually not even human. And you have to help me. You have to be my oh, guide. My God. So yes. Okay. It's giving everything everywhere all at once in some ways, especially Michelle Yeoh. But yes. also at first I thought, okay, this is like when you very first started describing, I was like, okay, so maybe like never have I ever, you know, Mindy Kaling's project, right. the Indian American teen Davy. That's what so I was thinking at first. Too. It's like those two mashed up and yep. then Marvel. <laughs> yes. Yes. It just looks so good. And this is what I love about it is that I watched Ms. Marvel with my 15 year old. It was so fun to have something to watch together because I don't know about you guys, Meg, but my family, now that we have all these streaming services and everybody has their own device, it's oh very rare for us to watch something together. Yes. Oh, definitely. We honestly probably haven't done that in years, except yeah. for movies. We'll sit down and watch a movie together. But in terms of a series, I can't remember the last time I did with my right. kids. So my 15-year-old really does love to do that. And I don't know who else will watch it, but I know she'll love it. And yeah, I was just so captivated. It's just got every star. It's going to be so fantastic. It's going to be so fun. It seems very, you know, like it's family friendly. So if you yeah. have tweens, teens, even young okay. adult kids who like Marvel Universe, this seems like an easy one. You could space it out or you could binge it when it comes out, right? If it's all eight yes. episodes. So it's yeah. your choice. But American born Chinese, you do have okay. to have Disney Plus. I'm sorry. Yes. I know. Mm -hmm. I know. Like we're all probably now spending as much as we used to on cable, but absolutely. I don't even we care are. because look at all the TV that I'm bringing you. It's a business <laughs> expense at this point. Yeah, it's definitely a business expense <laughs> for sure. We are in some kind of alternate timeline and I am not sad about it. I also have a TV show okay. and I feel like we're sharing a brain because mine hits on some similar okay. themes. Mine is on Paramount Plus. Okay. So you got to go get another <laughs> streaming. Okay. Paramount Plus is the one that we kind of dip back, go back and, and forth. forth. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get it just to watch it a thing and then I'll turn it off. But this is worth checking out. If you've never done Paramount Plus, it's a Paramount Plus original. And it's called School Spirits. Have you heard okay. anything about this one? No. And that's the funny thing is I was going to say there is so much good TV. Had you heard about American Born Chinese? That had come across my radar okay. in like a article of coming up this summer kind okay. of thing. Okay. Because no, I haven't heard of yours. And it doesn't surprise me anymore that we're like, yes. no, that's a fabulous show. And if you actually look it up, there's tons of press about it. And I've never even heard of it. Well, I do think that School Spirits is highly underrated. I just watched it. I hadn't heard of it, except that I went on Mary Carver's podcast, The Couch with Mary Carver, mm -hmm. and we were having a conversation about ghosty shows. She knows I love a ghost story. So she invited me to her podcast and she was telling me about all of these great shows. There's so much in media, especially media for tweens and teens right now. Mm -hmm that have these like spirit-y, ghosty things. Yeah, supernaturally. So, supernaturally, like more than usual. And so we were talking about that. I'll put a link in the show notes if you guys want to go listen to that episode. We had so much fun. And Mary always has the goods. She has the rundown on all that is good to check out. So she's telling me about school spirits. And I was like, I'm intrigued. Here's the concept for the show. First of all, again, there's one season out. It's also eight episodes, okay. like American Born Chinese. Here's the concept. Our main character is Madison Nears. We know from the opening scene of the show that she has died. She is a ghost. She is introduced in the opening of the show to the ghostly world of her high school by a kid, a guy who died on their campus back in the 90s. And so in the universe of school spirits, if you die on this high school campus... <laughs> It sounds like a nightmare. Your spirit is trapped on campus until yeah. you are ready 
to cross over. And how you get to be ready. People will be like, it is like a nightmare for so many people. We're like, no. Exactly. Well, that is one of the themes of the show is how do you find peace? How do you find a way to cross over? Okay. Okay. So we find out that there's a whole group of kids, like more than a few kids have died on this campus, Kelly. It's very concerning. Like alert the authorities. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Sometimes I know in the writer's room, they're like, should we be concerned? And they're like, yeah, just right. go with it. Just go with it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> just it's a go good story. It. Just wave your hands. It'll all be fine. Okay. So there's also a teacher who died on campus who leads a sort of support group for these ghost <laughs> students. I love this so And much. so it's kind of fun. The show really plays with it. What I wanted to say too, another way that our shows are alike is this is also based on a graphic novel. What? Which I had not heard of. But yes, it is. And so- You have this blending of worlds. So we have Maddie who does not know and she does not remember how she died. She does not know. She just knows that she's dead. So we meet the ghosts who have been trapped there for decades, which is so fun because you get these callback references. Like there's a guy, a football player from the 80s, her like friend that she meets that's kind of her guide into the spirit world. He died in the 90s. There's a girl who died in the 70s. So you get these very referential things from the past. But then there's also her group of friends who are still alive and still on campus and are grappling with her disappearance. They don't know for sure that she died. Everyone's looking for her. And we find out, this isn't a spoiler, but you do find out in the first episode that even though she's a ghost and she can't communicate with anyone that's still living, she can communicate with one person, her best friend, Simon. And so between their friendship and what they can communicate with each other, the show kind of takes off with this concept of what happened to Maddie, like finding out what happened to her. And along the way, you get to know these ghosts who are there, their backstory, what happened to them. We get to know more about the still living kids. There are so many plot pieces that are going on. And again, I knew this was eight episodes. By the time we got to the eighth episode, I was like, how are they going to bring all of this together? Kelly, when I tell you the last 10 minutes of this show are just magic, how all of these plot threads come together and weave together to create a really memorable ending. I recorded with Mary on a Monday. By Thursday, I was done with the series. Yeah. I don't binge shows very much. I don't really sit down and have a lot of time for TV. I just could not stop watching this once yeah. I started it. So again, it's called School Spirits. It's on Paramount Plus, highly underrated. It is kind of like young adultish. Like you could watch this with teens. I will say language warning if your teens are not exposed to or if you're not comfortable with them hearing like more, you know, grown up language, just make a note of that. But I'm going to try to get my girls to watch this so we can talk about it because there's yeah. a lot of things going on there. But it also, you know, it's about these kids that are ghosts and kids that are still alive. But the great thing, Kelly, is that it deals with just regular life stuff like grief and friendship and strained relationships with your parents and teacher-student dynamics. There's just all of the teen stuff. It's just that some of them are ghosts. <laughs> yeah, that's such a fun idea. It's such yes. an interesting idea for a book. In that sense, it doesn't surprise me that somebody wrote it yeah. first and then you know, TV was like, oh, we can option that. That's fantastic. That sounds great. Look at us bringing all the TV goodness to the awesomes. Who even are we? I don't even know. You're welcome, awesomes. I don't know. I don't even cook anymore. I just watch TV. (laughs) No, don't say that. People will be crushed. I know. (laughs) That's actually what I was thinking this morning. I was like, 
Kelly, girl, you got to find like a recipe. I know that you're making things. <laughs> I know you're not just watching TV, but I can't not bring these things when they're so good. Sorry, awesomes. We'll have to do like an overflow of other things that are also awesome yes. other than TV yes. shows at some point. <laughs> I love it. Well, we will put links in the show notes for our awesomes of the week. Of course, we want to hear what's awesome in your life. Every Friday, we have great conversations about it in our social media communities. Again, that's at Sort of Awesome Show on Instagram. Come find us on Facebook and the Sort of Awesome Hangout. Links to that in the show notes as well. Kelly and I have a lot to dig into as we're talking about how to navigate conversations. Say this, not that. We're going to set you up to have even more awesome conversations with the people in your life. We'll get to all of that when we come right back. Hey friends, I've got a special message for the grownups who are listening. It is springtime. It is the season of the birds and the bees. And that means it's time for you to finally do what you've been thinking about doing. And that's checking out Foria. That's because better sex starts with Foria. Foria is using all natural plant-based ingredients to intensify sexual pleasure and also relieve discomfort. That's why Foria has a serious cult following with tens of thousands of people and included in those thousands are plenty of your fellow awesomes. We hear from you all the time about how Foria has made an awesome impact on your sex life. Now, I always point people to start with the Awaken Arousal Oil. Awaken uses CBD, warming, sensation-inducing organic botanicals that enhance arousal, sensitivity, pleasure, access to orgasm, and best of all, Awaken can help with discomfort. So yes, you have my permission to try this. I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself to more, deeper, fuller pleasure wherever you can find it as often as possible. And you can start with a bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal for our awesomes. Get 20% off of your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash awesome or use code awesome at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash awesome for 20% off of your first order. I recommend trying the Awaken Arousal Oil and the Sex Wheel together. You'll thank me later. Okay, we are back. And this week, Kelly and I are talking about how to rethink our conversations with the people in our lives, the people in our communities. And some phrases kind of come across our radar every now and again that, you know, you hear them said, and then you see people. Here's the thing. Speaking of our sort of awesome hangout community, I have learned, Kelly, so much from just listening to awesomes in the hangout share. Like this thing happened. A person I care about said this to me and it really hurt my feelings or I was really offended or, you know, the more you listen to people, the more you have this really broadened understanding for how people perceive things that are said, even if they're said really with good intentions. Yep. And there's other circumstances where we get maybe like two in our head about what to say, what not to say. We don't say anything. I saw a write-up earlier this month talking about, I guess on the Today Show, that Jenna Bush Hager and Hoda Kotb had this really emotional conversation on camera because Hoda's child had been in the hospital and Jenna was feeling really bad because she didn't know what to say to support her friend and coworker. And this was going on in her life. And so she didn't end up saying anything. She felt like she could have been more supportive. And I was just like, wow, there really is not an age or a stage of life where communicating with each other gets easier. You know, it's a constant thing that we want to bring the awesome to the lives of people around us. And so sometimes just 
trying to figure out what does that look like? Well, we need these conversations as a community to be able to talk it through. Right. So you brainstormed a great list. Let's talk through some of these. Why don't you get us started on that? I really echo what you're saying. I think this is one of the real strengths of diversity of having different ages, stages of friends, people who have lived different lives than you, because you get to hear what they say. So things that you're like, oh, it would never have occurred to me that that is perceived that way by you, by someone else, when I just think it's this, is really helpful. And we really need to listen to those things. I think it's so good. And most of us do want to. You know, I think that what we want to resist is, well, I meant it that way. You know, like, okay, but could you do better? Like if they're saying to you, I understand that you meant it, but this has perceived. I think that when you're saying it, there's no point in life where you have attained. That's true. But I think that one of the things that happens as we grow, as we age, as we have more experiences and we get to know more people with more varied experiences is that hopefully we can lean into that and lean into the wisdom that the collective can offer us, right? Yes. And I think it is very much human nature when, you know, might come back to you like, oh, what you said hurt somebody's feelings, or you maybe even read it in an online forum like the community. I think it's human nature to get defensive and be like, well, that wasn't what I meant. I meant this. And I think where we can push through that defense mechanism and get to the good stuff on the other side is to instead take a posture of curiosity and be like, wow, okay, I'm learning. I did not know that that was a thing. You know, make amends as is necessary, or maybe you even just observe it in a conversation and you're like, you can get curious about it, explore it, and think about how it can apply to the way you communicate with people in your community. Right. It's just a good segue into the first category that I've thought about, which I have labeled to anyone who looks different from you. Okay. So this is about people who you see and they are different from you. So then they're different from your lived experience. Mm -hmm. And I, being a cisgender white woman in America, don't have as much experience with this, but I have family who are different races and friends for sure. So some of these are things, like you said, I've learned from them. The biggest is, of course, where are you from? No, really, where are you from? Mm. That one being said, don't say that. I know, I know, I know, I know. And I have talked about this and especially older people, people older than us are like, but I just want to know. But the way it is perceived by anybody who is different is it is highlighting the difference and it's making them feel othered than you. Mm. And people Mm -hmm. who tend to be white don't get that question. I remember there was a very funny video made several years ago now, probably almost 10 years ago, where it was an Asian woman running and there was a guy who stopped her. I think they were both like on a water break. And he was Mm -hmm. like, so where are you from? And she's like, Oakland. And he's like, Mm -hmm. no, like, where are you from? You know, and she's like, well, my grandparents moved to the US, you know, from China or Japan. But like, then Mm -hmm. she turned around and asked him, she's like, so where are you from? And he's like, well, I live around the corner. She's like, no, where are you from? Right. You know, trying to say like, it makes you feel like, oh, I don't belong here. You know, like what I care about mostly is your ancestry. And again, Mm -hmm. it's othered like, oh, this country is for white people. And if you're not white, you stick out. Oh, so where are you from? Yeah. Yeah. You're not American. So that question, I feel like if you are truly curious about somebody's ethnicity or nationality, you need to get to know them. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So say this, not that. I would say, don't say, where are you from? And if you do want to bring it up at some point, it's not the people you can't talk about differences, but it shouldn't be the first thing you say. It should be 
really wrapped in the context of relationship. Yeah. Yes. So my kids have had the experience of going to school with a wide diversity of kids from a wide diversity of backgrounds and ethnicities. And that's been something that even I have had to learn because I do have a natural curiosity. I'll be, you know, I'm just kind of like, I wonder what their family's story is. It's almost kind of your family's story is it's a part of you. And maybe you have different comfort levels talking about it, but it's not something that any of us want to go into like right when you first meet somebody. It's something that unfolds naturally over time, like you said, in the context of friendship, in the context of getting to know somebody. And so often, you know, they would have friends come into their lives that I would have like just a natural curiosity. I'm not going to obviously ask the kids. But then, you know, over time, as my kid builds this friendship with another kid, oh, they share together parts of their family story. And it comes out, you know, my grandparents or my parents immigrated from here. And it's part of the deepening understanding of each other. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with being curious. There really isn't. But just because you're curious doesn't mean you get to have the answer like immediately. Right. And I think that's part of the thing is that one of those things that feels very triggery for my friends of color, especially because it feels like in America, they are already so aware often that they are perceived as the other by many people, especially like in our political climate. So this question feels more aggressive than most people mean it to be. Mm -hmm. So just knowing that that's how it's being perceived, then it's good for us to say, okay, what could I do to get at what I'm really trying to get at, which is just saying, I love that we're all different. Tell me about you. And there's a way to do that. But asking where are they from? No, really is not it. Likewise, I would say, can I touch your hair? Or God forbid, just reaching out and petting somebody's hair that's in an Afro or something like that, or the braids. No. Just know that is not okay. It is not acceptable. I would say just really touching people's bodies in general, like pregnant women or pregnant people, you know, just like, no, it is not up to you to go up and touch the belly. Stay away from that. So also in that same category, I would be like, hair, again, is a thing that makes people feel othered. So even if you're meaning like, oh my gosh, your hair is amazing and beautiful, it is perceived as an othering, as a, like, you're different from me and you're not the norm. So it's just not a good thing to say until you can be in the context of relationship. I totally agree with all of that, for sure. Adding on to that, I think that in the year of our Lord 2023, maybe, maybe we can get to a point where we just don't comment on people's bodies from the top of their head to the tips of their feet. Yes. We just not do it. Like Again, outside of relationship, you know, like it just should not be one of those things that said, And I feel like this is one of those things that we talk about with body positivity. You should be proud of your body. And we are different. And that's great. But like, do we need to comment on it? Right. No. Yeah. Some of the comments like, you're so skinny. I'm so jealous. You look so great. You've lost so much weight. weight. Yeah. Yeah. Or the dreaded, are you pregnant question? (laughs) Also something that should never come out of your mouth. They could be giving birth in front of you. Especially if you're a man. This is like my rule for the men in my household. I'm like, they could be giving birth in front of you and you don't say, are you pregnant? Just say, because it's just, (laughs) how can I help? That is the right question. Because it's just too fraught with peril. Like it's not worth it. Let them bring it up. If they want to talk to you about the fact that they are pregnant, they might say something at some point. And there are some other ways you could get around it. Like even saying, like if they seem to be struggling because 
you know, it's like the final trimester and they're uncomfortable, like saying, can I get the door for you? You know, stuff like that. It's acknowledging like I can see, but it's not saying this direct question about their body size. Right. Bodies are so personal. I mean, you know, somebody in your life has lost weight. We don't know. It could be very well related to medical reasons. There could be a lot of things going on. I've heard from people who have lost significant amounts of weight that have felt like it was only when they got to like a more straight size or conventional size that people started complimenting their appearance and just the kind of difficult mental gymnastics then that that creates for a person to be like, am I only worthy of being noticed and complimented when I look like this? What did you think of me before I lost weight? And there's just so much there, so much to unpack. I do think it's maybe a little different if it is a close friend, close relationship. And also I think in terms of in those relationships, you would know, like if you have a friend who's lost a dramatic amount of weight and it's due to some challenging health things that are not fun, you're not going to be like, oh, but you look so great. Like how skinny you are. Like, don't do that. I mean, it's chemo, but hey, you've lost weight. Yeah. You're like, that's (laughs) awful. And that's why we say you got to have that relationship, right? Then you know the context and you can say like, I know this has been really hard or conversely, like maybe they've worked really hard because they wanted to lose some weight for health reasons. Saying like, I support you on your journey. You're really strong to pursue what you're wanting to do here. I think this is really hard. I think Gen Xers like you and I are kind of, we're in this weird space because our boomer parents and their grandparents, our grandparents, they had no problems commenting on all body things at all times. So (gasps) it feels normal to us. But then we have younger generations who are kind of like, hey, maybe we don't comment on people's bodies anymore. So I think that there's like this generation of our people our age where we kind of feel like, can we talk about this? Do we not talk about what are we doing? True. But I do think that generally speaking, that you could say, let's don't comment on each other's bodies. But if it is in the context of close friendship, close relationship, that maybe you can navigate that and have a better right feel for what's going on. I feel like this is the key of this because I'm also thinking about people with differing abilities and the comments that they get is that when we don't have relationship, when it's the thing that we say, oh, you're in a wheelchair, what happened? It makes them feel like that's what matters about them. When we say, oh, you lost weight, you look great. That's the thing that matters. That's the reason we don't want to say this outside of relationship. It makes people feel like that's them. And it's not them. They're so much more than that. So it's not that it's wrong to notice these differences. They're wonderful. I'm so glad we have all these differences in the world. But the time to say them is in a relationship, not when you're seeing them at the library or at the checkout at the grocery store. It's a good guideline. Let's just hang on to that little piece of wisdom. Kelly and I will be right back with more Say This, Not That after this quick break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Awesomes, we know that women are uniquely affected by higher levels of stress than men are. Prenatal stress has significant effects on pregnancy, fetal health, maternal health, and childhood development, and stress has a significant impact on a woman's ability to conceive. I remember from my personal experiences that stress can also impact your breast milk supply. That's why it was so awesome to get to have a true expert in both women's health and in natural formulations on Sorta Awesome episode 440 when I got to talk to Stacy from Red Remedies about solutions for women who are pregnant, trying to conceive, or nursing. And she explained that there are actually natural herbs and supplements that are not just safe, but provide real relief and solutions for stress reduction and peace, for finding emotional balance, and that support a calm, healthy digestive system. And these supplements are vegetarian and gluten-free. Now, you may remember that the product that she pointed us to has been specifically formulated for these moms. I love the name Peaceful Mama. Stacy is a master herbalist who has formulated a number of award-winning supplements, and even she believes this is her best one yet. So awesomes, don't forget, you can go to redremedies.com. That's red with two Ds, so R-E-D-D, remedies.com, and use our code awesome to get 20% off. You cannot find that discount anywhere else, by the way. I've been using Peaceful Mama for weeks now, and I really want you guys to experience the same calm and balance I'm feeling every day with Peaceful Mama from Red Remedies. So again, go to redremedies.com, use code awesome to get 20% off. You had some really great ones on your list that kind of all have to do with family life. So let's talk through some of those. One thing is when you are conversing with your partner, how many of us can relate to having a conversation? This could probably be a whole episode, you know, like of what things that we have said that we could probably say from experience, right? Meg, we've been married a long time together. Yes. Together, but you know what I mean? Like, we put our marriage. Unfortunately, surprise (laughs) other people. <laughs> we probably be easier because we do share brains sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Like all the things that I've said wrong, there are a lot, but there's just a few. Like, what do you have? One that you had put this on the list. I do. <laughs> this is a trigger, I think, for a lot of us is just calm down. <laughs> now, <laughs> I do like to say this jokingly in yeah. family <laughs> conversations when people are having a big reaction. I'll be like, yeah, okay, let's calm down. My kids will be like, I am calm. Uh, yeah, clearly <laughs> by the ruffling of the feathers <laughs> and the throwing of the arms. I do think calm down in the context of a conventional understanding of men and a conventional understanding of women. When a man tells a woman to calm down, it feels it's very, yeah, it's very loaded, feels very dismissive. I have switched my wording on this a little bit to be more like, it seems like you have some big feelings about this. Yes. Let's talk more. It seems like this is probably not just about this thing. It seems like it's, you've got some big feelings coming up. Now, my husband's a five and he doesn't always super love when I use feelings. So sometimes I'll say, huh, it looks like you've got some big thoughts here. If I can just switch to thoughts instead of feelings for my oh, five husband. Good. I don't think that applies across the board, but it kind of gets past the reaction of it all. and we can get more into conversation. Right. Because that's your intent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, the calm down phrase, I think probably on both sides of the fence, nobody wants to be told, (laughs) calm down. Yeah. Unless Taylor Swift is singing it to you, you need to (laughs) calm down. Yeah. Then it's okay. It's like, okay. Okay. Yeah. What do you think though? The other one that I think is very triggery for a lot of people and probably of all genders is you're acting like your mom or you're acting just like your dad. 
I think that oh should just be gosh. taken right out of the playbook and not even an option. It's in yes. the basement. No, don't say that because it is triggering. And usually when you're saying it, you're not saying it as a good thing, right? You have shared with your partner the things or they have seen what annoys you about your parents or the things that you don't want to replicate. And then when they say that, they're saying usually like, oh, there it is. And like it doesn't. Gosh, I'm getting so mad just thinking about it. <laughs> Oh, no. Like an imaginary situation. If what you're trying to say is, I'm seeing some behavior in you that I know you don't want to exhibit. Yes. Say that. Don't say like, you're acting just like your mom. Because there's that implication of like, and I know you wouldn't want to do that, but it's so triggering. It causes a reaction. You're not getting to the intent, right? So if you're trying to have a conversation with your partner and you're like, whoa, they're really going in some grooves here. There are some familial grooves that I know they don't want to be in. There's other ways to get at that. Other than saying you're acting like your mom or you're acting like your dad. I think that's such a great point. We can see those. Even if you haven't been together for a long time, but especially if you've been together for a long time, you can see those. So it's not like it's not true right? sometimes, but to layer that baggage of you're acting like this person who I know this thing drives you crazy. Like if you say you're acting like so-and-so, you're probably not doing it in a place of good intent. (laughs) You're probably trying to get a reaction out of them. It feels kind of dismissive and hurtful. So yeah, exactly. It's not productive. And again, your intent is this probably, hopefully. I think it almost feels betraying in a way Mm. because especially if you have confided in your partner over the years, it drives me bonkers when my dad does or says this. And like you share the pain that that has caused you. And then they kind of weaponize it in an argument or whatever. Maybe you're not even in an argument. They, maybe they say it flippantly. I think for me, it almost feels betraying. Like I trusted that to you and now you're using it against me. Yeah, right. And so I think you're so right. If we can not use that phrase, but even still have open, honest communication, maybe not in the heat of the moment, but this is a pattern that I am seeing, maybe just to still draw out the issue, but not use that specific phrase. Right. Okay. Lots of us have navigated these things with our children. Yeah. What phrases to say and not say with kids. Well, I've got a whole bunch of kids still running around. Your kids are all teenage and above. Yes, so they are. looking back on those young kid years, what are some phrases that either you heard other parents saying or you're like, oh gosh, I know I said that plenty and maybe I could have said something else. The number one thing that came up to me, and in some ways, this one is like a bittersweet one for me is you'll miss this when you are the mom of, you know, preschoolers and under. Yes. And the reason I say it's bittersweet is I understand the intent and I believe it's true, you know, like that you will look back and be like, oh, I remember those days and those pudgy little feet and watching Bluey or whatever show, you know, like all the sweetness of those moments. So I agree 100% with the intent, but don't say that to people. Yeah. Especially it's often said in moments where things are maybe a little crazy Yes, by older people. I feel like the problem with it is that it is this oversimplification of life, right? Mm-hmm. That, yeah, you'll miss this, but that also doesn't negate that it's hard right now or there's hard things about right now. So right. just being like, you know, if somebody's struggling, instead of saying like, oh, well, you'll miss this, you'll miss that they're having a tantrum in the grocery store someday because they're not going to even talk to you when they're teenagers. So like <laughs> negative, first don't, of all. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> don't say it. And also like offering to help celebrating the age that they're at and being like, oh, I love watching your kids eat that cookie in the grocery store with all the crumbs, you know, instead of saying like, you'll miss this, which puts the burden on them. You can enter in 
to the same idea by saying, I have enjoyed watching your kid yes. do this thing. Maybe yeah. you have the statement too that you could add of like, I remember when my kids did it. So it's been fun to watch you. Just saying you'll miss this feels like I think the best for me is an oversimplification. Yeah, I agree. You can even just say, I remember those days. Yeah. Just like leave it at that. That's a good one. Because it really is your response to whatever they're doing. It's actually just, it's your thing. Like yes. they're just trying to live their lives. <laughs> you know what you I don't mean? need to give them a directive. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Just, okay. And then just go on your way. Yeah. And also saying you're doing great. I think that's one thing I've yes. heard. If you're seeing somebody, especially if they're struggling, maybe that's the opportunity to say like, can I help? Can I carry your groceries to the car since you're carrying a car seat and a yes. toddler who's having a meltdown? Or just saying you're doing great. Hang in there. You know, like yes. offering words of encouragement. Absolutely. Yes. Always so helpful. Okay. Thinking about when we're talking to our own kids, what are some things that come to mind? I'll tell you two things. This wasn't even on our list. Two things that I regret saying a lot to my kids when they were little. Number one being, oh my gosh, that's perfect. <laughs> Which I would just say, you know, they make something and they do something. Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. My older two girls have some real issues with perfectionism. <laughs> and I constantly am like, did I create this in there? Did I do that? Yeah. I was saying it like, I mean, I did think mm -hmm. it was perfect because they're my perfect little children and they did this perfect little thing. Right. So I definitely regret casually using the word perfect as much as I did. The other one is, oh, it's not a big deal. Oh, it's okay. You're okay. It's not a big deal. Yes. I think that Kelly, you and I are both, like if you look at the cast of Inside Out, <laughs> the Disney film, I think you and I are both joy types, yeah, you know, sure. and so I don't like for anyone in my life to be unhappy. And so I want to speed them along to get back to happiness. Let's find the joy again. And I know I did a lot of being like, it's okay. It's all right. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. And not allowing them to just express yes. it. I mean, you know, when you're a parent, you kind of walk the line between like, you want them to feel their feelings, express their emotions. And also you're kind of training them along the way how to cope with those big feelings and emotions. Right. So it's a fine line. It is. But just letting them have a space to have big feelings is, is okay. Yeah. I think when we say you're okay, it's saying like your feelings aren't valid and somehow that we're shutting that down and being like, you just need to move on. It's not a big deal. Like to them, it is a big deal. So like, how do we create some space for them to feel really sad about that? You know, like, oh, I can see that that really bums you out, buddy that skinned knee must really hurt or you forgot your lunch for school and you were really excited about it. That's a bummer. Yeah. And then teaching them skills to cope because I think that that's kind yes. of what we're trying to get at. It's a skinned knee, you'll be fine. You know, like we don't have to completely melt down and then, you know, you can't play with your friends the rest of the play date. We're trying to teach them skills to manage those emotions, but sometimes we rush to that and don't help them feel them, which is a necessary part of the process. In Nico's daycare classroom, it's three-year-olds. And the teachers use that phrase, that's a bummer, a lot to the point where Nico at home will come up to tell me something that happened with, especially his interest in the twins' toys and belongings is like constant and never ending. Yeah. And so he'll come running in here and be like, Mac wouldn't let me play with the new Bowser. And that's a bummer. <laughs> I love that so much, though. And you could just be like, yeah, buddy, that is. But also, Matt gets to decide and we can maybe figure out a way to do it, right? Like validating their feelings instead of going, yes. oh my word, you have a thousand toys. You don't need mm -hmm. them. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Here's one too. This is a slightly older kid in the temptation when you have like teenagers to say, I told you so, oh, or yeah. in some way, that sort of idea, because yes. likely you did. Likely you yes. told them that if they didn't do their yes. homework that day, they were going to have to stay mm. up late and then they were going to be a disaster. This actually came up this winter. My son graduated from high school. I think you guys, if you've been listening to Sort of Awesome, you know, he took a little bit longer, finished mm-hmm. the very end of January and then did not leave the house for like two months, like in his car. Oh. So he would sometimes leave with us, but it's winter. He had nowhere yeah. to go and yeah. his car was in a garage, but my husband kept saying, you know, you might want to just go out there. It's an old car that we were gifted by from a grandparent. He's like, just start it just to make sure that the battery's not going to die because I don't know how old the battery is and it's winter and it's cold. And he'd be like, yeah, dad, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, two more weeks would go by and my husband would be like, you might want to just, you know, if you have a few minutes, like chip, just run over, start the car. So it was this thing was said more than once, mm-hmm. never followed through on. And then there was a Saturday morning that we had just mm-hmm. gotten up and he decided he'd wanted to go meet some friends. And he came in and he's like, the car won't start. <laughs> oh my gosh. What did y'all do? Well, I was like, first of all, the fact that you're leaving the house makes me want to throw a party because wait, you're going somewhere. <laughs> yes. We need to support this at all. <laughs> so I like went and got Corey and I'm like, Connor's trying to leave the house. But of course the car's not starting. We don't know why. Can you help yeah. him jump it? But I think I said, this is not the time to be like, this wouldn't have happened. Like, don't. And he came in later and he's like, I will have you know, I didn't say anything. I went out there and I was like, oh, the car's not starting. Probably because, you know, he might have said like, it's winter, that happens. But like a good thing to know for anybody who lives north is how to jump a battery. So like, let's try yeah. to jump it first and see if that will work or if the battery's just dead. So they yes. were able to jump it. He's like, I showed him how to do that. You know, like walk through all the steps. And then was like, here, take the jumper cables because you're driving 45 minutes. But then if it doesn't start, you can jump it on a friend's car. But like, that's so good. It was. It was good. (laughs) And I was like, I was so proud of him because he's an eight, my husband. Yes, I was going to (laughs) say. They almost don't have the ability to not be like, I had the way (laughs) and you didn't follow it because you're a freaking idiot. That's how eights think about everything. <laughs> it's kind of an eights. I love you. I love you. I have so many good eight friends. But they're like, yes. I know the right way. And if you would just do it, your life would be easier. And now you didn't do it. And now you're making my life hard. It is a hard thing to resist that temptation. But you know what yeah. doesn't help ever? Yeah. I told you so. I know. It's so true. I think that's so good. And I think Corey, that was a great example of it. And he was a really good model. Because mm. I know that was not easy. Gold star. Gold star, yes. sir. I do think that you're so right. I think that try to support them in the moment. Like sometimes it's a hands-on thing that you can do. Yes. I've even gotten through those circumstances without saying it. And then later I will go back, especially if it's a more like abstract thing that could, there's not a thing to be fixed in the moment, but it's maybe like a friendship thing that came up or blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Kind of go back and be like, tell me a little bit more about what you're learning from how this played out. That's and so fantastic. Just start a conversation with them, even though on the inside, you're like, remember all the times that I said, if you'll do that, la, 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 and you didn't do it. The reason that you were telling them something to begin with is you wanted them to learn something. You want to help right. them avoid the pain. But sometimes pain, uncomfortableness, all of that is a catalyst for learning. And so if what you really wanted them to do was to learn the thing when you were trying to tell them that and they didn't do it, to follow up with a conversation and let them put into their own words. Right. And it's not because you're like fishing for them to be like, you were right, mom, I should have done this. It's not about that. No, it's about 
you went through this bummer of a situation. <laughs> Tell me more about what you learned from it. Yeah. Because I don't like to see you in pain. And I want to know, like, what might this look like differently next time? It's interesting because I'm feeling like a thread through a lot of these is that when we say these things, sometimes we say it's about them, but it's also just as much about us. Mm -hmm. Saying I told you so is me wanting validation. Right. And it's not really just about them wanting to learn. I think also the phrase, well, when I was a teenager, Mm -hmm. dot, 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 especially because right now, Gen X to Gen Z, there are some really big differences in the way we're growing up. I mean, boomers, like what has happened in our society in a hundred years is truly mind boggling. Yes. Truly mind boggling. Like the differences in the way we live and communicate and our expectations about life, what we have access to. So a lot has changed, even though you think you were in high school five years ago or 10 years ago, and it was actually 25 or 30 years, so much has changed. So it's not that you can't tell stories about when you're a teen, but if you are saying when I was a teen, I did it this way with the implication being, so you should too. And I don't know why this is hard for you. That's not helpful. Not helpful. It's more about you. Very tempting. Yes. Not helpful. (laughs) Okay. More Say This Not That with me and Kelly when we come right back. All right, friends, raise your hand if you have an upcoming summer trip abroad. Well, I have a fantastic travel hack for you, and that is Babbel. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or if you're embarking on your first adventure, communication is truly the key to fully experiencing a new culture, and that is where Babbel comes in. Babbel is the language learning app that has sold more than 10 million subscriptions thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, and there's still time to learn a new language before you reach your destination. I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. I love the fact that Babbel not only gives you these incredible lessons, there's also games that you can play, videos. They offer so many diverse ways to learn. And with Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete each lesson. You really can start having real life conversations in as little as three weeks. That's because Babbel's expertly crafted lessons are really built around real life. You learn how to have practical conversations about travel, relationships, business, and more. I super love Babbel's speech recognition technology, which helps you improve your pronunciation and your accent before you go. So right now, get up to 55% off of your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash awesome. That's babbel.com slash awesome for up to 55% off of your subscription. That's with Babbel. It's language for life. Let's do one more quick one because I wanted to talk about, especially having a graduating senior, you have kids who have graduated. I hear this a lot. It's again, I know that people ask these questions with the best of intentions. They're trying to connect. But a big one that gets tossed around is where are you going to college as a kid is graduating? You know, who are you dating? Like, tell me everything. I think I've been more sensitive to the where are you going to college when having friends whose kids have decided that's not the path for them. Speaking of generational differences, yes, there are a lot of Gen Zers who are not interested in college, not because they're lazy or they can't do the academics. They've looked at the generations ahead of them and been like, y'all are still paying student loan debt for what? Yeah. And they're like making these different choices. They're thinking about things differently. You know, there's a variety of reasons why they might take an alternative path after high school, but to just project your experience, maybe going to college after you graduated was like a great part of your life and you're excited for people, you're excited for kids. It doesn't mean that that should be the question to ask 
those who are graduating. If you want a question, ask, what are your next steps? Yes. What's next That's what I've been asking. What's next? Yes. Mm -hmm. Because you're exactly right. There's so many different paths today and so many different reasons. And so when we do this blanket, where are you going to college? What are you going to study? That's the way. That's the only way that's valid. And so if a kid says, I'm taking a gap year, I'm going to trade school, I'm actually not going to college, I'm not interested in college, they feel less than. Yes. It's not a helpful statement. And I mean, what do you say? So the who are you dating thing? Again, I feel like this is... I get where it's coming from. Like you said, they're seeking connection. I feel like it's said a lot of times by grandparents mm-hmm. or distant family when they come to some sort of a grad event. And the student is like, I don't want to talk to you about this for lots of different reasons. Do you have a question that you think is better to put in there? Or is that just one just to like remove? Okay. Well, I was actually going to tie this in, but I'm just going to mention it now. I think it can apply to anybody who's single or not in a partnered relationship, as far as you know, to just stop asking people tell me about your love life or who are you seeing these days? Like that's in retrospect, I have asked people that and I do feel not great about it now because it's pretty personal. I don't know when Gretchen Rubin said this, but in the past she has used this phrase and I think it's so smart and you could actually use this in a lot of applications like small talk situations where you don't know how to get to know somebody. I love this Gretchen Rubin question. What's keeping you busy these days? Great. It's broad, right? Yes, exactly. Just like a person's body is not the most interesting thing about them, their romantic relationships is also not the most interesting thing about them. Not the most important. And I think this is generational too, right? Like you used to go to college or graduate from high school, you got married, like that was the path. And so it was like, that's what made you a functioning adult. And it's just not true anymore. So you don't have to be partnered to have a very fulfilling, wonderful life. Exactly. That's a question anybody can ask. Anyway, it could be a grandparent talking to a kid. What's keeping you busy these days? And it's super open-ended. And who knows what conversational threads you'll get from that. And I do think that you could, again, you could ask it at a networking event where you're awkwardly trying to make small talk with somebody. Thank you, Gretchen Rubin, for that phrase. It is such a good one. All right. Well, Kelly and I have talked through a lot, a lot, a lot of phrases, mostly having to do with like family life and those context, but we have even more that we wanted to cover. So we're going to get to all of that when we come right back. Okay, we are back. And today we're just having a really good conversation about how to have better conversations. Say this, not that. Kelly, you and I both have experienced loss in the past few years. Your dad passed away. My mom passed away. Loss, illness, medical issues. These are things that happen. They're just part of the human experience. They happen in life. And often people want to comfort those that are hurting, that are suffering, that are in pain and try to say something. And sometimes the phrases that we use maybe are not as helpful as we think they might be. You put together a great list. And I know a lot of these, either you've heard from friends talking about this, maybe you've experienced it, or a lot of these we've even heard people talk about in the hangout group that are not as helpful as they maybe could be when it comes to loss or some other kind of negative life event? What are some of the ones that come to mind? Yeah, And I feel like I need to give credit because I think somebody who has been so instrumental for probably many of us in this field is Kate Bowler, who is a theologian. And she, in her early 30s, this was several years ago now, was diagnosed with stage four cancer as a young mom. And so she wrote a book called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other 
lies. I think other lies I was told or something like that. And her book is really about her story and how we deal with hard things. But she covers a lot of this. So here are a few phrases that we're just going to say, like, none of these should ever come out of your mouth if you're an awesome. Whoa, that was like very (laughs) directive. Woo, she's accessing that eight wing over here. I'm calling them out. I'm just like this. (laughs) No, it's not even like, well, maybe. No, I'm just saying no. I'm getting very bossy. I'm channeling my inner Laura Tremaine. (laughs) Okay, don't say they're in a better place. When somebody has died saying, well, they're in a better place because the person who's lost them wants them here, right? I don't care. (laughs) Well, at least dot, dot, dot. I understand it. Lord knows I'm a seven ENFP. There's nobody who looks harder for that silver lining, who feels more drawn to them. I also have to stop myself from saying this in myriads of situations. It's just not helpful. It doesn't acknowledge the feelings. Likewise, saying it's going to get better. Mm. Maybe kind of true because we know that life moves on, but you can't promise that. You don't know. And it's glib. It again, tries to push over like, well, I know it's awful right now, but oh, well, it's going to get better. It just doesn't need to be said. It's not helpful. This one, I literally, I think I would have a conniption if somebody said this to me and I lost a loved one. God needed a new angel. Mm. Well, I would have some very strong words for that God. Taking away somebody who I loved and I needed here because they need an angel, which isn't even theologically. I was going to say it's also theologically very shaky. I don't know of any form of religion, much less Christianity, that would say that like dead people are now angels. That's not true. Right. Everything happens for a reason. So this one is very common. Kate, of course, wrote a whole book about it. It's just not true. I mean, even if you could someday look back and be like, well, I can see things that came out of this, Mm -hmm. saying like this happened because something else needed to happen is just not true. That's not how life works. Things are random. We can't point to everything. You know, like she said, when somebody was saying that to her, they usually meant like, well, you're going to be stronger in the long run, or God is going to bring glory out of this. Or if you had not eaten so much bad food when you were younger, you know, like there's this implied thing of you could have stopped this or like it's going to be for your benefit. And she's like, it's just not true. It is a way to not have to face that life is random and bad things happen all the time for no reason at all, for nothing that we can control which we don't like. Likewise, God never gives us more than we can handle. Mm. Garbage theology and also just not helpful when someone is really struggling. It's again, putting that burden on them. Like, well, I don't know. It's not God's fault that your life is really crappy right now because you're supposed to be able to handle it if he gave it to you. So what a burden to lay on somebody who's already struggling and being like, well, you should be able to handle it. Not helpful. And then the last two are, oh, I've done some research and have you tried beta carotene you know, or whatever? Insert the thing here. And again, maybe in like a real relationship where you know somebody and you're like, oh, whatever. Likewise saying like when my aunt had cancer, blah, 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 blah. Oftentimes those stories are like not yes. good. And that second one in particular is centering your own story. Yes. That is a person who needs help's story. So yes, that's great that you had a devastating story or a helpful story or an interesting treatment with somebody else. But it's centering you in that moment when they're the person who should be centered and you should come along them and giving people medical advice. It's just not something you should be doing. So again, I know people are like, I'm trying to be helpful. Mm -hmm. It's not helpful. And I think what we have to do here, and this is what I want to hear from you, Meg, is like, what should we say instead? Is that 
We have to be able to sit with the pain. All of these things that I just said, want to put a wall up, want to push forward, want to get out of the misery that we're in right now because we don't like it. Nobody likes it. As Americans and Westerners, we especially don't like it. It's our attempt to skip it and to push past it. And that's what the tendency we have to fight. That's where we have to start and say, it is going to be okay to sit here in the pain with this person and not fix it. Right. I do think that any kind of language that we can adopt that conveys that to people in the context of friendship and relationship, you can kind of know what stage a person's at. I mean, sometimes they may just want to hear, I hate this for you, or my heart is breaking that you are going through this. This sucks. This is awful. It shouldn't be this way. There's a variety of ways that you can empathize with someone in their pain. Then there's also times when they may need support in a practical way. Yeah. So A, asking like, how can I support you in this is one that I use a lot, especially when somebody is struggling on like a more emotional level. As somebody who struggles with depression, I know that just somebody asking me that, even if I can't think of a way that they can support me right then, Mm -hmm. just knowing that somebody's there and wants to reach out with support can be helpful. Also, you and I both have probably experienced this. Sometimes people will just not ask you anything, just be like, I'm going to do this for you now. You know, I'm coming over to do some laundry or I'm going to come over and mow the lawn for you or like whatever practical thing they can offer is sometimes this instead of asking the question, just doing it. We've yeah. talked about this a number of times and sort of awesome, but sometimes that's what the moment calls for. I love that too, because I do think my tendency is always to be like, what do you need? How can I help? Because I do want to help. But again, it kind of puts the burden on the person who is experiencing yes. the hard thing to come up with it. And lots of times they can't and they're appreciative, but they're just like, my brain can't there right now. So saying, I'm going to bring you dinner or I'm going to create a food train. Is that okay? I remember hearing somebody say one time, this might've even been in a Kate Bowler book. If somebody's in the hospital with a loved one saying at six o'clock, I'm dropping off a burger with extra bacon and a fries and a chocolate shake. If you don't want it, let me know. Yes. So just be like, I'm doing this and this is what I'm bringing. And if they're like, oh, you know what? I'm going to need extra curly fries. You know what I mean? Like it's just opening a door. So maybe they're going to say, no, I don't want that. I've just eaten. Maybe they're going to say, actually, I want extra curly fries. But it's like you are taking some of the burden off of them to figure out what they need or what they want in that moment. And I think it's not always helpful. I understand that this is like that messy middle where we can't say never say this or don't say this because some people it's really helpful for. And then some people are like, I didn't want to have to say, don't bring me a burger. It feels like another burden. But I think generally it's better to go that direction than just saying, what can I do? Absolutely. And I think just to go back to that whole list that you gave, there's personal work that we need to do to be able to get to a place of comfort with other people's pain. And that's our own individual work to recognize even those of us who are more the joy character on Inside Out to recognize that pain and suffering is a part of the human experience, that there's literally nothing we can say to mitigate that pain. And we don't want to tread into the waters of making it worse. And so a lot of times just validating, affirming, and just offering presence can be so much better than some pithy saying. Yeah. That makes us feel better in the moment because we said something good and we can go on with our day. You know what I mean? Exactly. I think that's it. 
you know, one of the things we've talked about M and friends, Emily McDowell before yes. on the show, I think I've even made her my awesome of the week. She is a master at making greeting cards filled with empathy. I will go and read her greeting cards if I'm like, I don't know what to say because she has so masterfully captured like, because she had cancer. That's actually how she started these cards was that she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she heard all the awful things that people would say or they'd send her these greeting cards and she's like, well, that's a load of BS. (laughs) So she's like, somebody needs to make a card for Mm -hmm. the real thing. So like, yes, what I'm just looking at right now, no card can make this better, but I'm giving you one anyway. Or there's one that just says, there's no card for this. I'm so sorry. Right? It's true. Please let me be the first to punch the next person who tells you everything happens for a reason. I'm sorry you're Mm -hmm. going through this. They're wonderful. I know this day really sucks for you. I'm thinking of you. Yeah. They're really, really good. And some of them even have. (laughs) They're funny too. Like if this is God's plan, God is a terrible planner. Many of them do have adult language. I will say that. And she's kind of sarcastic and that sort of thing. I think that one it has on the inside, it says, no offense, if you're reading this guide, you did a great job with the other stuff like waterfalls and pandas. (laughs) If you need some ideas, I feel like she really captures that idea of, I can't fix this, but I'm with you. Yes. I don't like seeing you in pain, but I love you enough to sit here with you in it. That's the definition of empathy, right? And that's what we need. That's what we all need is just to know that we're not alone and that we're not forgotten. So say those things, even if it's just, I'm sorry, like you said, this sucks. That's enough. It is. Okay. Well, this was a really great conversation topic about conversations. I really am so thankful to get to talk through all of this with you. And I'm so excited because you know the awesomes are going to have their own things to add to this list. So we brainstormed and came up with ours, but I am sure there's going to be other things that we're going to be able to learn from each other where somebody's going to be like, that was true. And also here's something else that somebody said to me and it wasn't helpful. So I'm really excited to see what happens in social media and in this sort of awesome hangout on Facebook this week, because we're just going to have more great yes, discussion. For sure. For sure. And speaking of social media, Kelly, yeah. if people want to find you yourself on social media, where can we find well, you all around the web? Like I said earlier, I actually really am in the Hangout a lot or in the Superstars group, which is a special group just for our Patreon Superstar supporters. Thank you. But you can also find me on Twitter still and Instagram at Kelly Gordon MN. Okay. And don't forget, you guys, KellyGordonMN.com is where you can find Kelly's oh, yes. recipe archive. If you are missing her <laughs> recipes in your a little annoyed that yes. she keeps watching TV instead of bringing new recipes. The whole archive. I'm sorry. Yes. Go find the chicken taco recipe and make that. That's what I would recommend for you for this time of year. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, no. See, there I go again. Creating perfectionism <laughs> unintentionally. That's just a really good idea for some people at some times. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Okay. If you want to find me on social media, you can find me at Sorta Awesome Meg. You can find Sword of Awesome on any platform that you're on. Just type in Sword of Awesome. You'll find us there. We would love to have you join one of our communities. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see y'all next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games.